Broadcasting live from the legendary studios of Canton's own 1480 WHBC. You're listening to Gary Rivers. Well, back in the chair again. Filled in yesterday for Pam Cook on Canton's Morning News. That was fun, but uh, good to be back here this morning in the normal seat, uh, ready to roll. And uh, we've got a lot of guests here this morning, including our friends from Sarda and the Akron Canton Regional Food Bank will be in a little later on, uh, Raven Etz and Company, to talk about their big stuff, the bus campaign. Uh, plus a couple more guests, and uh, we'll get into some things. Hopefully you'll have an opportunity to call in and uh, weigh in on what is on your mind and maybe some of the topics of the day. But uh, here's a topic I just thought I just found it intriguing. You know, we've all heard about the campaign out in California, out on the left coast, that they may want to, you know, cede from the union. And actually, there's a couple of them. There's conservatives, and there's and then there's uh, the other side, and uh, that's just kind of crazy. Well, then I find out that there's something called Texit. Yes, the Texas nationalist movement. And, uh, boy, they would like nothing more, I think, than to leave the union. And, well, we've got on the phone right now Daniel Miller, who is the president of the Texas Nationalist Movement. Good morning, Daniel. Thanks for joining me. Hey, good morning, Gary. I uh, certainly do appreciate you being here with me this morning. I I, I didn't realize that this movement was as big as it seemingly is. Well, uh, apparently that's my fault, then. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here in Ohio, we're worried about, you know, Lake Erie fish, maybe not worrying about what's going on down in Texas. But I think the eyes of the country are on Texas with the immigration situation. And uh, there's a lot of folks upset in Texas about that. But what's what's your take on everything? I mean, what's what's your reason for being? Well, I'll tell you, Gary, and one of the reasons that you know I wrote this this recent book, which is called Texas, uh, was to explain that you know it's it seems that to really the outside world they hear about this idea of Texas independence. It, it sort of pops its head above water, and then the media doesn't talk about it anymore. But underneath all that, what's going on here in Texas is that. Uh, you know, for two decades now, we've seen support for uh, people wanting Texas to leave the union move from single digits up to uh, right at a majority at this point. Uh, you know, so th- there are uh, obviously a lot of things that are going on related to this issue that a lot of people don't know. So, uh, you know, we, we do our, our dead level best. Uh, you know, to, to go out there and, and spread the word beyond Texas. But what's going on here in Texas is, is nothing short of, of miraculous. And I think a, a lot of people find it rather surprising. Well, I know you've got the book, Texas, and that uh, comes out, what, April 21st, right? So about two weeks from now? Right, right, about two weeks. All right, so I'm sure there, there'll be some, some interest in it. But my real question to you is, what, what's your reason for breaking away from the country? Uh, you know, the U.S., it's, it's a democracy. We Didn't we have this once before? <laughs> the South left, and it didn't work out so well. So, I mean, what, what's why are you disgruntled, I guess, with being in the country? Well, you know, and I think that that really strikes to the heart of of some of the misconception about this, Gary. Okay. You know, everyone everyone wants to look at this like this is, uh, you know, we're we're separating, we're breaking away, and to a certain extent, we are. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is, this is not like Australia. You know, Texas is not going to float off into the Gulf of Mexico and become an island. You know, what what we're doing is we're 
we're essentially looking at the United States as it is, which is at its core a political and economic union. And and what we're doing is we're weighing what the benefits are versus the cost of being a part of that political and economic union. And, and to Texas, you know, we, we look at this, and decade after decade, Texas is a net payer into the federal system. Uh, Texas overpays to the tune of anywhere from about 100 to $150 billion into the federal system every single solitary year, and that's all dollars accounted for. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, immigration in the border. Uh, it has consistently, over the last 15 years, polled as the highest concern for Texas voters. Yet, what we have seen time and time again is an abrogation of responsibility from the federal government, and time and time again they've been an impediment. But if you really want to distill it down, and I'm, I'm very certain that people in other states can agree with this, is that Texans are, are tired of living under 180,000 pages of federal laws, rules, and regulations administered by 440 separate agencies and 2.5 million unelected bureaucrats. At the end of the day, Texans feel that the best people to govern Texas are Texans. So you're saying, boy, that, that push in the 1800s to join the union was probably a mistake. <laughs> right? well, well, you know, well, look, at the time, at the time I'm, I'm sure it made a lot of sense. Sure. But, you know, that, uh, that I think, is, is part of uh, the challenge is that folks in the United States are very insulated to this idea of political change. There's this idea that somehow the way things have always been is exactly how they will always be. But, you know, one of the things that people don't realize is at the end of World War II, there were 54 recognized countries around the world, and by the end of the 20th century, there were 192. This idea of self-government and self-determination is is really the global trend. But doesn't uh, it fly in the face of what? Uh, just to, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but doesn't that fly in the face of what they're trying to do with the European Union? They're trying to, you know, one world together. There's only going to be three super mass governments: the European Union, the United States, etc. And and I know there's a lot. Brexit is an example of trying to break away from all that, but uh, you see the majority seemingly trying to keep that globalization, if you will, moving forward. Well, ultimately, that, that really is the battle, is this idea of the nation-state versus this idea of this global amalgam, one size fits all. And, and if you want to get down to the heart of the ideological struggle, that's it. But, you know, again, what you're saying, you know, the, the 54 countries to the 192 countries mm-hmm. is not a fluke or an aberration. And, and what you're seeing going on in the European Union right now is a perfect example of, of some of the reasons that you're seeing independence movements not just in texas but in other states uh you know you you've got the european union and the bureaucracy in brussels that is screaming headlong into trying to form a united states of europe they look at washington dc and they are envious at the power that has been consolidated and centralized there and and what you're seeing is in europe you're seeing the uk take their power back you're you're beginning to see i think a majority of italians right now would like to see italy leave you've got issues in france where uh you know those guys are probably a couple of percentage points in an election away from holding their own referendum it's country after country around the world even in the even in these western style republics and democracies that are saying you know what the you know we're the best people to govern ourselves not some faceless bureaucracy who does not understand us and who does not care for us 
in a capital that does not belong to us. All right. Well, by the way, I'm talking with Daniel Miller, president of the Texas Nationalist Movement and author of the uh, upcoming book, Texit. So the problem here is how how can it possibly happen i know they've talked about it in california and the and the movement is strong there but there was that breakaway that ended up causing the civil war and i thought at the end of that it became darn near impossible for a state or a group of states to say eh, we don't like with this country's doing we're going to form our own huh? and in your book it outlines how this can happen Absolutely, and it's it's extraordinarily uh, strangely enough, it's extraordinarily simple. Uh, you know what it boils down to is at the you know first and foremost, when I woke up this morning, the calendar said 2018. It didn't say 1865. Okay, so, you know, right. we've got we've we've got a lot of distance between uh, what happened then and what happened now. You know, we're in the 21st century, and you know this sort of 18th, uh, you know this 18th century, 19th century heavy-handedness. Uh, that, that went on with governments that did not want uh, to lose, you know, the centralized power. That's that's sort of passe. You know, we throw that over to the Kim Jong Uns of the world to behave that way, and the Bashar al-Assads. So, you know, we got to look at it in 21st century terms. But from a legal standpoint, it's quite simple. First and foremost, there is no federal law or constitutional prohibition against the state leaving the union. So really the only prohibition would be on a state level, much like Nevada has in its constitution. It actually has a prohibition against Nevada leaving the union. Texas doesn't. We have Article One, Section 2 of our post-Civil War constitution that, uh, again, reclaims that right to the people of Texas to reform, alter, abolish our form of government. And so, you know, consequently, with the Tenth Amendment to the Constitution in play in Article One, Section 2, Ultimately, what we're what we're going to wind up with here in Texas is a Brexit-style vote, where the people of Texas go to the polls and, and we vote for our future. I mean, are you looking at that in the next year, or the next five years? I, I mean, I, I saw the numbers of uh, fans you had on your on, on, on your Facebook page. It's pretty good. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, we're we're very close. Uh, the last session, mo- most people don't understand. We have a part-time legislature here. They only meet for 140 days every other year. We have that in Congress great idea, too. Though, but, but, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but not on part, not on purpose for those guys. <laughs> I'm just saying, it sounds a lot like Congress. But go ahead. I'm sorry. I get... <laughs> Uh, yeah, but but uh, essentially, we in the last session of the legislature, we came closer to having uh, a Texas referendum legislation uh, filed than we have in any previous legislative session. So uh, the bill is drafted; uh, it is it is ready to be filed. So I mean, we're we're close, but really and truly, a lot of this is is up to the political will of the people of Texas. I, I really. Uh, I outline that entire process and and what some of the impediments are in the book and what it's going to take to see that Brexit-style referendum right here in Texas. Wow. Let me let me ask you this, and, and it seems to me Texas is, in, in many many ways, just as divided politically as the rest of the country. Am I right in this assessment that the cities are much more liberal than, say, rural Texas? Is that... Is, is well, that, you know... It, I think I think it's I think it's important to not paint that paint it with that broad of a brush. Okay. You know, right. I think you know Rick, Rick Perry uh, when he was governor for you know for well over fifteen years or fifteen years he you know he made the the comment that Austin was the blueberry in the bowl of tomato soup. <laughs> so, <laughs> so all right, I guess I'm using that kind of terminology. Go ahead. 
But, uh, you know, the, the, I think at the end of the day, what we have seen, and, and you know, being the head of this organization, we're a, a nonpartisan organization. So, look, we just reconnect with Texas voters. And, and what we have seen are people come at this, this issue uh, regardless of political party. Uh, if you go look at, at the, the polling numbers from 2014, uh, the Reuters Ipsos polling numbers, you saw that it was 54% of Republicans, right at half of independent voters, and uh, 35% of Democrats here in Texas. And that's when, you know, when uh, Barack Obama was still president. And, and so, you know, what, what you're seeing here is that this idea that the best people to govern Texas are Texans, are Texans. is something that cuts across typical party lines. Yeah, unified in one thing. We don't want a part of what's going on in Washington. That makes sense. D- Daniel, I wish I could talk with you more. I got a, I got a break now, but uh, good luck to you in, in, in this. We're going to be watching it to see just what happens in Texas. And I'm sure the folks in California will be watching it just as close. Well, it, it's uh, it's likely. You know, we, we all sort of keep an eye on one another, not just here in the States, but around the world. All right. Thank you so much, Daniel Miller. It's now 18 minutes after 10 o'clock on News Talk 1480 WHBC. What do you think? Okay.